Thanks for tuning back into Creative Outcomes. I'm Jimmy Bailo from Upsourced. Uh, we're a CFO and accounting firm focused on helping creative agencies. I'm really excited to be joined by our guest today, Tyler Pigott from Loan for Creative. Uh, he's an agency owner and also an agency coach, and I'm looking forward to diving into the conversation. Thanks for being here, Tyler. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thanks for having me. This will be a fun conversation. We, I think, I feel like we could talk about a lot of different things. So I'm excited to excited to chat. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Um, well, do you mind just kind of like, I, I'm sure that um, some the people that are listening are familiar with Lone Fur, but do you mind just kind of giving people just kind of the, the rundown? Obviously, I know that you guys are a story brand and a, a HubSpot agency, um, but just where are you guys at just in terms of like headcount and where's the focus been? And I know that you've been doing this since 2014, 2015. Uh, but would love to kind of just hear about the the studio in your own words. Yeah, for sure. So I run a company called Loan for Creative and started after about 15 years in the corporate space. Then naturally, next step from there, became a college golf coach and then jumped into um, just kidding on that um, and then jumped into kind of consulting side work stuff and then eventually kind of landed gigs that needed enough or needed more people and then, you know, started building an agency kind of 2015, 2016. Um, I bring the college golf coach piece in because if you're familiar with the US Open 2015 host site was Chambers Bay and they have a lone fir tree on it. And that's what the company is named after. So, um, so anyway, so we do, we help clients with um, lead generation, demand generation, kind of, you know, foundational stuff as well. Brand positioning, brand strategy, kind of bringing the store brand framework into the mix. Um, so a lot of different things, I kind of break it usually up into two different, you know, foundation setting, which would be that kind of brand positioning strategy, and then rolling that out into kind of all your public facing materials and, and kind of marketing materials. And then phase two would be like demand gen, driving traffic, you know, amplifying, driving your, uh, building your reach and growing your reach and that kind of stuff. So we kind of help number of clients in there, primarily in the ed tech space and in the med tech and health tech space. Those are kind of the main areas that we've spent most of our time in um over the last number of years and yeah hubspot as well we do a ton of stuff on hubspot i don't need to be a poster child of hubspot but most of our clients are on, on hubspot as well awesome okay so the the team would would get after me if i if i didn't at least like ask this as a follow-up question but how did you go from corporate environment selling like cbg like beverage brands on the west coast to being a college golf coach like what are like how did that transition happen like like what is your family saying at that at that moment in time like where like how did that come how did that come to be sure yeah so i was doing kind of corporate communications and pr um for a biotech company there was an investor group that owned that biotech company and they were buying and investing in different technologies and so one of those technologies helped make this consumer beverage product and i think they were doing I don't even remember how many cases, 30 cases a month. I don't even know. It was like super little amount, but they kind of felt like, hey, this is a, could be an interesting opportunity. So think back to before you'd walk into a grocery store and see like three or four aisles of like flavored waters and and health enhancing things and supplements in a bottle and all those things, right? Because that's actually kind of new. Many people think it's just normal, but like that was so 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. Um, and so anyway, so I kind of like pitched for this opportunity to like, jump into helping them grow that brand because it just sounded super fun like it was like ground level you know sky's the limit can kind of do whatever you wanted and so after six different pitches it took me it took me about a year and a half to get into their like be, them being willing to let me take a shot um they said hey here's money and you run it through a test market build a brand see what happens 
And so I think I had like six months and then had to kind of run it through a test market and locally. So in the Pacific Northwest, you know, health clubs, uh, trainers, I mean, literally anybody that would really take it and try it and then put it into their regular, like kind of workout health routine. Um, and it worked, it was great. It drove sales. It was awesome. And then, so we then started to like roll it out up and down the West coast into grocery stores. So for those of you that don't know that world, it's quite a world. So it's the, you know, meeting with different people, whether it's regionally or nationally, getting them to their local stores or vice versa. Every grocery chain is a little bit different. Got to know your packer. You've got to know your um, distributor, all those types of things in the midst of it. So um, I spent a lot of time traveling, kind of like probably two-ish weeks a month, maybe more. Um, And at that point, I had a, what, a three and a five-year-old, I guess, maybe somewhere like that. And so we kind of you know, rolled up and down the West, the West coast. And then eventually it was, Hey, let's move East. And I just said, you know, from here, when you fly East, if for those of you that don't live on the West coast, you're adding three hours if you're flying to the East coast. Right. And so then you really have to add a day for travel. Um, and so then I was like, dude, I'm going to be gone like twice as much. Like this is not going to be fun. And so I'm kind of made the pretty conscious decision to go, you know, I don't know if this next phase of growth and phase of the company is going to be for me. Um, and so I kind of, you know, pulled back and had the opportunity to leave. And then, um, I live in the South Puget Sound. So think like, uh, an hour and a half, two hours South of Seattle, Washington state. And I didn't really want to commute because when I say an hour and a half or two hours, that's if you drive it in like the middle of the night with no traffic. And it's probably twice or three times that if you're driving it in the middle of the day. So I didn't want to commute. There wasn't any jobs I was super stoked about in this area. And so then um, I was like, hey, let me just start, you know, and people started reaching out here and there, you know, like different people in your network of like projects, branding projects, calm stuff. Can you review this? And those just started to like trickle in. And so I kind of just said, hey, what about doing this on my own? I've always wanted to run my own business. Maybe this is my shot. And so, um, you know, kind of fast forwarding over those years, you know, it grew, It you know, bigger opportunities came in, needed more help, needed more people, and then pretty quickly became um, an option to kind of do that. So um, I've also played high school and college golf. And so in the midst of that, like, I was like, oh, it'd be fun to play golf. And then when you're not really employed and you're trying to play golf, it's a little bit weird because golf is expensive. And so um, I actually just called my previous golf coach in college. And then I was like, hey, do you need any help? They were looking for a player's coach. So that's what happened to kind of in the interim season. So I ended up doing that for like two and a half, three years, um, hanging out with college kids and uh, getting to play golf multiple times a week. So it was fun. Awesome. Love it. Love it. How do you still get out like in and in, in play like as as a I mean, a little bit here and there. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoy it. It's super fun. I mean, I've got two teenage girls run a business, run a couple of businesses, I guess. And so the idea of like taking a half day or a full day to go play golf doesn't happen as much as I'd like, but you know, maybe a couple of times a month when the weather's good. So I, I feel like that's a good transition. Like speaking of um, family, sort of like in, in doing my research just for this episode, like one of the things that stood out and sort of like jumped off the page to me is just the emphasis um, that family plays like in the like the role that family plays like in your life and how that's sort of like impacted you as like an agency owner and a small business owner and sort of like how you've been super intentional about your time and I think one of the things that you said was that you um you have something like right around your desk where it's like hey like like you have a saying that says like like what matters in 20 years and I think that that really stood out where it's like hey like that perspective and sort of like taking that long-term view and like really wanting to kind of like hey 
I want to have a relationship with my kids now so that when they are 30, 40 years old, like they still want to hang out with me and like they still value that time. And I think that that like that speaks volumes. And so just I don't know, like I there's not like a specific question, but I just am kind of like wondering, like, like, where does that stem from? Like, where like where does that kind of how has that sort of shaped you as somebody that is running an agency? Yeah. That's a great question. I probably could go a number of different directions for that. And um, I would just say like, for me, I'm kind of wired to constantly improve and always be looking at my life and seeing the areas that I wish were different or, you know, I'm just constantly evaluating. I'm constantly evaluating. How does this something make me feel? You know, was that fun? Was it not? I do this weird exercise every quarter where I download all my calendar appointments and go through the ones that I'm like, no, I don't really want to do that anymore. And I don't like those types of meetings. I don't like those types of engagements or whatever the thing that is on the calendar and, and then try really hard to kind of build my routine around, around those types of things. And one of the reasons that I've gotten to that point is because I think everyone can relate to, man, I just had a bad day at work. I had a bad day on this project. This sucked. This was great. You know, it's just like a roller coaster for anybody, whether you're highly sensitive and in touch with your emotions or you're a pretty, you know, even Steven steady, you know, even keel person. Um, like it's, you kind of, so if you, if you ride that wave too long, um, and most of my life has been around startups and around and around business. And so there's some awesome days and there's some days that feel like, how am I going to get up tomorrow morning? Um, and they, and it, and it's all in in the midst of that. And so I think I've had to develop, um, what actually matters. Cause I think like, it's funny, like I've had seasons where I've had, like, I'll just use money as an example. I've had seasons where I've had tons of money. And it's been awesome. And I can kind of like go buy whatever. I've had seasons where I don't make anything and that sucks, but it's fine, you know? And, and, and a lot of that can honestly sometimes be out of your control, especially when you're employed or you've got clients or like so much of those types of things. And so, um, you know, focusing on what you can control. I actually, you mentioned things around my desk. I'm like a big settings person. I wish I could turn my camera around, but I'm like looking at all the things on the walls behind it. And it's like, I have this huge poster right as I walk out my door of like the things in my control are in this little circle and things out of my control and the outside of it. And so I think really one of the things I realized early on for me is, is that, oh, what's in control for me is, is like how I respond and how I act. And so um, I really wanted to be present and show up well for my kids. And for my wife, and I want to stay married. Like that's a goal of mine. <laughs> some people never would say that, and some people would laugh at that. But you're like, well, based on the statistics in this day and age, so like that's a goal of mine. And so like that means that I have to emphasize it, and I can't just let it be a catch-all. Um, and so like I think for in, same thing with like being a dad and having having girls. Like there's like I want to be present. I want to talk to them. I want to be around them. I want to build a relationship with them, and that takes time. And and so I've, I've just kind of made that as an emphasis. And then I think it's helped me. I went through the hero on a mission thing that Don Miller did. So if you're not familiar with that, check it out, just Google it or whatever. But he wrote a book called hero on a mission. And it's essentially like starts with like, you know, I'm sure people, there's lots of different models of this, but essentially it starts with writing your obituary. Like, what do you hope people will read at your, you know, end of life celebration, whatever that looks like. Um, and I kind of was very like, it took me a while to work through it, but for me, it was like, oh, everything on this is about like relationships and, and values and things that people would say that I would hope that they'd say, like, I don't really care if anybody says, oh my gosh, remember in 2010 when he grew this consumer products brand, like who cares? Like, sure, that's awesome. And it's a fun thing to say, but at the same standpoint, like, really? Like, I really hope that that's not what I'm known for. 
Um, and so that really did impact um, a lot of kind of just my, I guess, kind of focus and some of the things I talk about. So anyway, all that being said, when I talk about what matters in 20 years, I go, well, reality is this probably doesn't matter that I'm in this sales call and it goes sideways or this client just asks for a refund or whatever the nasty news can be that you can have as a business owner. Like, yeah, sure, that stings, but man, I'm going to, I'm going to show up back at home and, and the stuff that actually matters is, is my family life for, at least for me. So it's different for everybody, I think, but, um, that's kind of how I've emphasized it, I suppose, over the years. So how, I guess like one question that I have is like, how has that philosophy and that message, like, how have you sort of like, how has that impacted like your culture? And like, obviously like being like, like upsourced or a service-based business, like loan for same, same deal. You know what I mean? And so I think for, for employees, it's like, Hey, we've, we've got this client deadline or this client email or, you know what I mean? Like there are certain requests and like, how has that sort of like philosophy shaped the culture just in terms of like making sure that employees feel that way too, where it's like, Hey, we want to make sure that we're having like a a good sort of sounds cheesy, but like work-life balance and making sure that you're, you're not staying up until 2am to to respond to those client emails. So I think like one of the things, there's a couple things, but one of the things that we, I found out early is, is that really I'm not in the business of selling creative services or selling marketing services. I'm actually in the business of selling trust that's how professional services work is if you trust, I mean, there's a million, like you, you guys compete against a million different options. Right. But it really is like, there's some uniqueness. I know that y'all bring as far as like kind of coming together and creating a service or an offering. But reality is, is that you sell the trust. The minute I lose trust as a vendor, you, you might as well just kind of pack your bags a little bit. And so when we found that out, it was like, okay, so then really we have to structure most of what we do to build trust and keep trust. Um, I think you build, you know, build it in drops and you lose it in buckets kind of thing. And that's very true when it comes to trust. And so then it's like, okay, so in client comms or whatever, like, what is it that builds trust? Oh, it's consistency. It's not that I respond at 10 PM and I'm there whenever they need me, but I'm always going to respond to every email and I'm always going to respond to everything. And there's never going to be anything that falls through the cracks. And if it takes me a little bit longer to respond, at least I'm going to just like fire back during regular business hours. Hey, I'm working on this. You know, like. I'm present. So it's like when things start to fall through that filter, it makes a little bit more sense. And then part of our mission statement, which we've used a mission statement to help make decisions like a filter, says we'll do what's in the best interest of our people and our clients always. And so when that's part of a filter and making decisions for your organization, it, it is about like caring for people and, and wanting them to feel cared for and doing what's in the best interest of them. And I've always been like a big leader through context. And so great, I can make a decision, but I want to make sure I'm communicating why I'm making that decision and what were some of the contributing factors to it. Cause then it usually helps people know what that case, what the case is. And then they know that I'm like looking at lots of different things. It's not just Tyler woke up and had pizza for breakfast. And that's why he made a weird decision or whatever, you know, um, which I would assume if you have pizza for breakfast, you could make some weird decisions, but anyway, um, so I think that's been helpful for, for, for us, I know, and just the caring for people in the midst of it. Um, cause that's just kind of been, I guess, a, a, a value of, for mine as far as like taking care of a team of people. And that's kind of been one of my forefront, uh, focuses. So. No, no, I love that. And like, I guess, tell me a little bit about like, like where is loan for now? Like, where are you guys at in terms of like, like, like team size? Like, obviously I know that you've been remote since day one. It seems like that was done very intentionally. And like I, now so many agencies are remote. It seems very common. 
Um, but like, I guess, give me a little bit of background of like, like where, where, where you all are in this, in this moment. Uh, great question. So we've had a lot of change in the last couple of years. Um, let's see at the end of last year, we were about 25, 28 people. Um, and then we've kind of shifted a lot of focus this year. And so we, um, and this is for probably for another conversation, but we went through kind of like a merger acquisition and like the end of 21 and that changed our team size, obviously, because we absorbed about eight people. And then um, one of the things that, that happened from that is we went wide. So we were fairly hyper-focused and, and narrowing in on what we wanted to do. And then when we added a lot of services and clients that weren't hyper-focused, we went really wide in our offering. And so then it required us to carry a lot of people to help service a lot of those types of clients. And so as we have this year been a little bit like quite a bit more focused and, you know, if you go to our website, we're building brands and growing brands on HubSpot is primarily like our, our core message. So we've kind of horizontally, you know, niched down, if you will. Um, but um, that's kind of allowed us to shift towards may, may, like the majority of focus have been like W2 employees have been like client facing. And then we've then had, you know, more support like around uh, different types of projects just because there's certain things that we'll do, you know, heavy in this season, not in that season. And, and so it's probably a fairly familiar model. Um, so there's about a dozen, there's about a dozen of us now. Um, we've sold off part of the organization for services that we weren't working on or what didn't want to do. And so that took some people. Um, and so it's changed a ton, but like, I would say like numbers wise, it's a really positive from a financial standpoint from what we've decided to do. And we're not carrying as much kind of like overhead from a personnel standpoint. And that probably, there's pretty many people listening like, well, duh, like, of course you have a more model of contractors. Yeah, but I just didn't start that way. I started with bringing on, oh, I need a designer. I'm going to go find a designer and hire him full time. And, and I just didn't do kind of like that freelancer contractor W2 model, like hybrid model. And so I'm kind of like have moved to that um, as of recent and it's been really positive and it's been really helpful because we can take care of our clients a little bit better. I, I feel like at least. Um, so anyway, that's, a, I guess, I don't know if that answers your question, but. Yeah, no, 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 that's great. And I think there, there definitely like are, there are pros and cons to like both. And I think that part of it is just like understanding the season of where the agency is and like where like, the season that the business owner is in and like what they need in that present moment. And I think the beauty of it is that like, Hey, there there's definitely like flexibility. And I think that so many clients nowadays are like with so many collaboration tools, like it makes it very seamless to kind of like just get, get inserted into, into the work and onboarded to the team. And there are like, there is definitely like a network of, of freelancers that, that are, that, is out there that you're used to kind of like pulling in like given like the specific client or the project. And so it, it's definitely like very common. And I think people like, there's a lot of people in this, I mean, specifically in the marketing branding industry that prefer it. Like they want to be their own boss. They want to work freelance. They want to work contract. And we've had people that have left working for us in from a W2 capacity and then shifted just to doing that. Um, which is like, that's what they want to do. And so you're kind of like, okay, you're like, let's see if we can make this work and be your first client kind of thing. Um, and so it kind of, yeah, it just depends. I think it depends on the roles. I think like this year being, you know, like in 23, you know, 2023, like AI is a big deal. And so like, what is that doing? And and are there people that, does it replace people yet? Yeah, in some cases it does. And so like, you know, trying to like sift through that and navigate that. And I think every agency is kind of in that same mix. And so 
um, you know, that sometimes contractors are helpful in that and sometimes they're not. And, you know, I think it just depends on the season of the business. So, yeah, I guess one, just before we sort of switch gears, I guess one thing that I'm like always really interested in is like, whenever you're listening to podcasts or you're just trying to kind of like understand and just kind of see what's out there in like the agency world, um, you always hear about people talking about like like niching down and specializing and like there are different ways that you can do that. And you know what I mean? Whether it's like a specific industry or if, if it's like a specific offering, how has that been for you all sort of like being attached to HubSpot? And you're also like a story brand agency. And so like how how has that been like, have you enjoyed that? Like, would you recommend that to other owners that are kind of thinking about that? This definitely like, isn't meant to be a plug for HubSpot, but I'm, I am just kind of like curious about like, Hey, like, like how, how has it been kind of being attached to um, a specific platform? Yeah. I mean, I think like, uh, I would, I'm not going to like make a prediction at all, but I would say like the generalist marketing agencies, man, unless you've got some serious foothold inside of large organizations, you're not going to be around very long just because, there's so much competition now and it's the, in my mind, it's the easiest business to start and hardest business to grow um, at this point. And so part of that, and I would think that it's like that in most, most industries right now where, you know, like the generalist insurance agency still probably should be a little bit more hyper-focused. Like, I mean, I think about you guys and you guys are hyper-focused and more on like the agency space and marketing agency space and creative firms. And like, you don't have to be like the services you offer could be, whatever given towards any really you know any business but you've chosen a focus and so i think like for us i would say as we've hyper focused it's gotten like a little bit easier and that sounds weird but it means that we don't have to present things all things to all people it means that when we sit down and go hey who's our core audience we can tell you that and we can then go after them and do cold reach outreach to them or show up at the events they're at or like if you're trying to be everything, like you can't really do that. Like it's just impossible to kind of figure that out. And so um, I think as we've kind of leaned into certain industries, like for, like I mentioned earlier, like ed tech and health tech, med tech, like that's been easier because we can then write content that's specific for that. We can do outreach specific for that. We can have service offerings, examples, case studies, all sorts that's specific to that kind of niche. Um, and then I would say like a, the horizontal niche for us being HubSpot, um, has just been helpful because like you just hire people that know how to use HubSpot. You don't hire people that go, Hey, can you develop on WordPress, Statomic, craft, uh, you know, Drupal Shopify. Like you can't, you don't add everyone because you, you can't, there's no unicorns really that can do everything and be really good at it. And so we've just said, Hey, we're going to be really good at this platform and then, and just focus and heavily like, you know, deep dive into that platform. And then it allows us to then be able to like, and most, I mean, pretty much all of our clients are on it. So it makes it so that like, it's just easier to work across and perform the work and you don't have to be an expert on every platform that someone brings to you. I think 10, 15 years ago, that was okay because there was not as many platforms. I know it's hard to remember that, but you're like, there really wasn't like in the MarTech space, like there was only a couple players. And so you could be like specific, you know, you could be like more generalist in that. And they didn't do as much and now they're like pretty advanced in most of those platforms. And so you really can't be an expert in all of it. So anyway, long-winded answer, but I think it's helpful and I think it's worth people like focusing on it. And I think marketing agencies in general have a really hard time picking a focus and being willing to take the risk to stay with that focus. Um, 
but it's worth it. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I was just curious. And, um, I guess like, like speaking to clients, like are most people like, are they on HubSpot when they're coming to you or is it like, Hey, they're reaching out to, to loan for, and they're like, Hey, y'all should be on HubSpot or y'all should go through like the story brand framework. You know what I mean? Where you're, you're kind of like coming to them with like, Hey, we've seen this solution really work. Or is it more, we, we're already using this and we're looking for somebody else who is familiar with, with the, the, the platform? Yeah, it's a mixed bag, to be honest. Like there's some people that are coming in that you've used it for years and they're just trying to get more value out of it. Um, or they're, you know, maybe we're redesigning a website or whatever the thing is and it's built on HubSpot. And like, so they'll come to us with that. Um, and then there's somewhere you're in the sales process and they know like at some point you're going to talk about HubSpot because of the fact that we're pretty public about it. But I think one of the things that's really helpful is it's just, it weeds out, like we don't talk to anybody that's not, that's not willing to talk about it. So whether they're on it or not, they're thinking about it or they were on it at one point or whatever, like you're not going to have a sales call with somebody or a prospect or, or a client that just hates HubSpot because they just didn't get, they wouldn't get that far. Like it's kind of, why would you schedule this? Like this doesn't make any, this is a waste of everyone's time. Um, so for the most part, yeah, I would say it's kind of a mix. It's probably two thirds are already on HubSpot and a third our new kind of net new type of clients that switched because HubSpot's gotten a lot bigger. So when we became partners in 2016, like it was the, it was the other way around, probably even more so because just less clients were on it and now more people are, it's more, a little more saturated. So I think there's just more people that are already using it. So. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, I, I want to switch gears. And one thing that, um, is really intriguing to me that I w- w- want to chat with you about is sort of your side hustle. And when I mean, what I mean by that is you see a lot of um, like sort of like former agency owners or agency owners that have gone through an exit and then after the exit have become a coach and they're coaching a- agency owners on just like best practices and lessons learned and their experience. And I think something that's really interesting about sort of like you and sort of your experience is you're still in the trenches. You're owning an agency. You're doing this on a daily basis, but you also are a coach to other agency owners. Like how, like, where did that passion come from? Like, how long have you been doing this? Like where, like, how did, how did you kind of get the bug for that? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, so one is I would say I'm like natural, at least I'd like to think I'm naturally a helpful person. Um, so I, I mean, it's just fun. Like I enjoy sharing some of the things that I've learned and how I can help someone, you know, maybe fall on their face less than, than I have kind of thing. And so since I kind of have that, like as part of my personal brand, if you will, or have that vibe, I, people will reach out and ask questions. And so it's, Hey, I noticed you talked on this, or I saw you do this or whatever. Like all these questions, even you're asking me, people reach out on LinkedIn, people email me, I'll get text messages. They'll come up to me at an event. And it's not because I'm famous. It's just more so like I'm willing to talk about it. And so like they, you know, we put 10 agency owners in a row and they might come to me because they know I'm willing to talk about it where some people just aren't. And that, that's not, there's nothing wrong with them. It's just, that's not the vibe they have. And so I probably, I guess 2020 or yeah, 2020, I think I took on my first agency coaching client. And a lot of that was because of the fact that I would be get people would reach out and say, Hey, could I grab 15 minutes on your calendar? And I'd love to talk about this. And I probably did 50 of those meetings. And and it was like, huh, I, it cost me $150,000 to learn that mistake. It cost me $300,000 to learn that mistake. And I just told this person exactly what they should do. 
um, because I paid the cost to do this and I just gave it to them. Like all about giving away free value, but at the same standpoint, I had to kind of like move to a different level of being willing to go, Hey, do you really want help with this? Like, is this something that is like a real pain point for you? If so, here's what I think you should jump into. And so most of my coaching has been like, you know, if you're a coaching consultant, you're going to hate me for this, but most of my coaching has been like one-on-one and it's just like, I mean, I walk through a lot of different areas in the agency and I lay things out and I've got systems and processes and stuff I share, but a lot of it has been like challenges that people run into. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending how you look at it, I've gone through literally everything I can think of. I mean, from mergers to acquisitions, to staff, staff, people leaving, to hiring, to doubling revenue over year over year to, I mean, on and on and on. And so it's not that I'm an expert in all of it, but I've been in it. And so I can help from a, like a, Hey, I've been there and done that kind of mentality a little bit. And then I also just bring like entrepreneurial, numerous businesses, all sorts of things in the past to that mix. And so um, one is I don't have all the answers and there isn't like a perfect silver bullet, you know, and I think people that know that, but the other, I think is, is I can just like, I, I would say I'm back to like leading with contacts, back to caring for people. Like I want people to win. Like that's my measure of success is if you are successful and you win, like I'm pumped about that. Sure. I want to win and I'm crazy competitive and I'm okay with that. But I also think that other people can win too. And so I think I try to have that come across to like in that coaching relationship where I do want them to win. It's not that I'm, you know, I'm trying to help them get to the spot that they're trying to get to, you know? And so, um, I would say like, as far as like your, you pointed out kind of like, you know, many people will do this like after they've had the success and I'm kind of doing it in the midst of it. Um, one is, is I've seen people doing it after the fact and someday I would like to have an after the fact. And so I think I've tried to like build a little bit of an on-ramp to be able to do that. But at the same standpoint, one feeds the other. So it's like, I can talk to an agency coach and I'm like, how cool would you do? Oh man, I, I sold my agency in 2006 and, but now I'm doing agency coaching and I'm like, okay, that's awesome. But like, you didn't even know remote. You weren't even really around before you were around before the iPhone. Like that's great. And your like principles and frameworks and stuff probably work still, but man, this is a different environment. Like the saturated digital that we're all in, you know? And so um, it's just been more helpful, I would say, to have be running an agency, you know, with on this side, but then also being able to like communicate from my learnings and that on the other side. Um, so I'd say one fuels the other at this point. Okay, no, I love that. Um, I guess one one thing that like we're seeing just across the board when we're looking at all of our agencies, um, I think one of the things that is really jumping out, especially like this year, is resilience um this year i think is definitely like required like hey like we really need you to kick it up a notch and like really kind of like dig in and have your team dig in like what what are you seeing like with the agencies that like you're working with like if you're looking across your sort of like like the agencies that you're you're coaching like are, have there been any common parallels or themes or like what what's been kind of jumping out to you over the last few months yeah, I would say you're either in a hole and you're trying to dig out or you're trying to break even. That's probably that was, I would say that, I mean, that's just been, I mean, maybe there's a couple outliers, but for most agencies, either that I've talked to or coached directly, and that's probably in the 30 to 40 different people at this at this point, this year alone. Um, and that's probably like, that's a commonality. And so like, I think what's great about it is, is if you follow other agency owners on social, 
you know, great. That's awesome. But don't just assume that they're just freaking killing it. Like they might not be, they're just breaking even or they're living off of cash from last year or whatever, you know, it's probably doing fine, but it's not like don't, it's, it could be kind of smoke and mirrors a little bit. Um, so I'd say that there's that one. And I would like overall, I think um, if you were a digital marketing agency and you existed before 2020, probably 2020 was really good for you unless your only industry was hospitality. And then it was a rough, rough moment, but pretty much every business was forced to uh, go digital or go online, whether or not they were already or weren't, or were in process or have been building it for years. They were just forced to figure that out. And then you had, so you had that, and then you had the government chucking tons of money at people. And so there was lots and lots of money to spend on marketing campaigns, trying new things and like whatever. And so I would say the last, at least for us, for sure, like the last number of years has been great because there's just excess money going around and people are willing to try things and experiment. And, and I think many agencies have seen that. And so then I think getting to 23, I think probably the turn of the year, people were a little bit like, what's this mean? Like global economic, there's tons of different things that I'm not an expert in, but I've been watching. Um, And so I think people are, have extended their sales time. So it takes longer to close a deal um, because people are holding on to their money a little bit more. Um, And just kind of, that does mean based on how it looks, if you used to sell a deal in 30 days and now it takes you 90 it means to have your same growth rate or same existence, you've got to triple the amount of people you talk to. And most agencies don't know how to do that. Like there's not a salesperson, they don't have a lead flow, it's just referrals. And so it's gotten really tough to kind of bridge that gap. And so I've, I've spoken to so many agencies about sales, sales process, you know, filling your pipeline, cold outreach, uh, you know, ask campaigns, asking for referral, you know, like just numerous, numerous different tactics. And I would say, sales has been the biggest thing. Um, you know, some people have figured out and they've leaned into it by this point in the year, but you know, for the first kind of three to six months, I think that was kind of like the biggest, um, biggest kind of landmine, I suppose. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely like on, on par with what we're seeing uh, with the agencies that we're working with. And definitely, um, it's, it's interesting just to kind of hear your perspective and kind of like like your viewpoint and what you're seeing as well um so there are definitely a lot of parallels there yeah i mean i think like part of it too is is like most people if you run an agency and this is funny to say because i've only run an agency for a decade but most people haven't really gone through like a real economic challenge yet um you know and i think like and that's okay like it's very normal to have businesses that kind of like ebb and flow you know, get real fat, then have to get lean. you like, it's like, it's very normal. Like if you look at the history of a company that's been around for decades and you're like, oh, it literally looks like a roller coaster. If you look at like the health of that business, there isn't a way in which they're constantly perfect, you know? Um, and so it can be really scary. Like I know that, I know it has been for me in different, different times this year in particular. And I think it has been for lots of people. Um, but I think that goes back to that resilience piece and like this year alone, I feel like if you're, most people I think are forced to go, what matters? Like what matters in your life? Like what's important? Like what are the things you want to be about? Like, you know, I think you can work and hustle. And like I talked to an agency owner yesterday that was, I was, I think we were talking about something about time and how long time things take. And, and he was like, oh man, I must, I, and maybe I shouldn't have texted my wife asking if I can work late again tonight, you know, like, and it was like, 
I don't know. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't, but like at the same standpoint, like we always can, right? We're always going to work on the next thing. And especially founders or, or entrepreneurs in the mix of it, you're always going to work on the next thing. Try to craft your offer, get more organized, whatever the thing is you're working on. And I think this year is showing people a lot of like, well, what matters in some ways, the amount of input that you put in isn't always a direct impact or outcome of what's going to be an outcome from that, you know, like, I don't know if I said that very well, but like, I think it, it people are starting to see that a little bit more this year and um, I, which causes you to have to decide you want to be really like resilient or change, change what's going on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's something that like I've, I've personally like struggled with and like personally I've like tried to like work on over the last couple of years where it's like there's definitely like especially like in my role like there's like a direct correlation between like the harder I work and like the more hours I put in and the results that I get and it's really easy to kind of just be on my computer and be like watching a show with my wife and be like working and at some point you kind of have to like find like a healthy balance there where it's like hey like (laughs) <laughs> do, I, do I really need to be doing this right now or can this wait until the morning um and sometimes it's really hard to kind of like turn that off and and sort of like sort of like make that mental switch and so I, I definitely relate to that yeah yeah no I mean I think it's just it's tough and I feel like also I think there's a lot of like uh, I don't even know what you call it like residual like activity and behaviors from the last couple of years because I think it was like if you think back 25 years ago to 2019 um, or at least it feels that way sometimes, uh, like there was a little bit more of a line between work and personal and like, and all those types of things. And I think pushing everyone to go remote and like, it's like, you're always connected, you're always working. And and much of that was filling up a little bit of like chaos of the world in 2020. And that was fine. And that, you know, there's nothing wrong necessarily with having something else to do in that. But like, I think now I would say people are starting to like shift or balance and go, wait a second, is this healthy? Is this not? Should I do this? Shouldn't do this? What do I really care about? What do I value? Um, and I think it's okay. Like, I think it's a good thing. Like, I think it's good for people to kind of figure that out. And it's a little bit of it for me is, is like, do you, what do you want to do in five years? Like, do you want to keep doing what you're doing in five years? Great. Then maybe you don't need to change anything, but maybe you don't want to do it anymore, or maybe you want it to look different. And so I think people are starting to kind of like wake up to that a little bit more. Um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting to watch and, and see kind of what happens. So, yeah, I guess just kind of like on this, on this topic, like one of the things that you, you mentioned earlier that I was just kind of like curious about and like how you kind of find that balance is like, it, it seemed like y'all at own for had pretty like ambitious growth goals. Like, I think you said you were trying to like, like double revenue year over year, which I mean, is like, that's amazing. You know what I mean? Like if you're, Right. Yeah. And exactly. But like you reach a certain like revenue number and it, it's a lot harder to do. Um, how, how have you balanced those two things? Cause it seems like you're, you're definitely, you know what I mean? Like sort of having that ambitious goal. And I'm sure like that you were, Hey, like as a, as a team, we're trying to rally behind that, but also we want to <laughs> make sure that we're spending time with our families and having, you know what I mean? Like just like a, 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 good, a good life outside of work. Like how, how has that been? Yeah. I mean, it's, it definitely is a fight, I would say. So, I mean, it's a little bit, I, I think I said a little earlier that I'm like a constant improver. And so I'm a total efficiency nerd. I mean, it is like a little bit of a disease probably, <laughs> um, but like just constantly trying to go, okay, how do I remove the stuff I shouldn't work on and prioritize the things I should work on? 
And I think like I've tried really hard to teach that or train that into staff and like, you know, what I'm learning, I'm trying to like pass along when it makes sense. Um, and I think part of that has been like, I probably, and this is sounds weird, but I probably get more done than the average person in a day. Like I can, and I think I can pretty confidently say that. And some of that's just cause I've constantly been, I mean, I've been training for years. Um, and so it's just as like the, uh, the quickness I can get things done, the like templates I build, the systems I build, like it's around, like, where do I want my brain power to actually be spent? Do I really want it to be spent answering the same question 17 times? Nope. So then I'm going to answer it once. I'm going to put it in this place and just keep redirecting people to that. And so like, I think it's like around some of that of building the systems, the process, I would say like so much of it is like, I mean, I, I think in 2019, I turned my phone off. So my phone's on DND 24 hours a day. Um, and that made a massive difference because there's no notifications. I don't get text. I don't even get, I get text alerts from my two daughters and my wife and that's it. Um, and other than that, like there's no, I mean, I don't know when someone's trying to get a hold of me unless it's on my calendar. And I can obviously go, go in and look whenever I want, but I get to choose when I interact. Um, that was probably the single biggest difference in doing that because I'm not a lot, like I can work on something and focus versus constantly be pulled different things, which does allow me to like focus on the things that I need to get done kind of deal. Um, but yeah. And then I think like there are days when I'll work late or days when I'll work on a Saturday or on a weekend or whatever, but I think like it is just, it is about prioritizing. So it's like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm gonna literally just going to drop what I'm doing in the middle of it and go pick up my, my daughter from volleyball or whatever the thing is like, and that's okay to do. And it's okay to, to not pick the thing up until later, but you know, the next day or later in the day and it's fine. Like, and being okay with that, but it does take a lot of pep talk sometimes to like, you know, Oh my gosh, I'm so anxious now because I haven't finished this thing. And, da, da, da. and you're like, well, I'm not, I mean, also the reality of marketing agencies is we are not saving lives. Like this is not like the ER or the hospital or whatever. Like I, sure. If you're working on a huge campaign, it means millions for a client. Yeah. You should get that done. But for the most part, most people aren't. And so if it takes an extra 20 minutes to get something done or finish it tomorrow morning, it's going to be okay. <laughs> and so someone will probably shoot me for saying that, but I like, it's no, no, true, in know? the moment, like when you get that Slack message or that email, it's really hard to kind of like sort of take a step back and like realize like, Hey, it's okay. This is a moment in time. This like, this will pass. But in that moment I'm, and I'm guilty of this as well. Like you definitely like overanalyze it and you're like, Oh my gosh, I got to jump on my computer and like respond right away. And um, yeah, it's like Slack and being constantly being like connected and having everything on your phone and on your computer. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's been the biggest thing. Like I say is your, my phone's not on. And so I like, even what you just said about getting the Slack messages, I don't get them unless I choose to interact. And so at that point, my brain goes, okay, I'm going to jump in and do this now versus it pulling me from other things um it's i mean it is really funny I, people don't like if you called me my voice message and say just text me i'm probably not going to check my voicemail um have i lost sales have i of course i'm sure maybe i don't know like but i at the same standpoint i feel like i've kept some level of sanity so <laughs> yeah no i'll I think that's a, I think that's a good tip. Cause like I wake up in the morning and check my phone and like the, one of the first apps I open is Slack just to kind of like see and just kind of like look. And so I'm definitely like guilty of constantly <laughs> seeing those notifications come through. 
which is tough, especially if you like work with people like you, like I'm on the West Coast, um, which you are too. And if you're working with people on the East Coast, it's like, dude, you're like trying to catch up for the whole morning because they're way ahead. They're way ahead of you, you know. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I I I feel that pain every day. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so obviously, want to be like respectful of your time. Um, one thing that I did want to like touch on, just because we've like we've. I've just seen this um, with you all and with you partnering with Jay from Business Builders. You all created this retreat called like the Agency Builder Retreat. Would love to just like understand like, hey, like what is this? Like where did this come from? Like give me just kind of like the background on on this and and where you all are at. Just in, it, this is sort of you've done two years of this and this will be the third year that you all are going to do this conference. And I'm just kind of interested in just give me some background on that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of variables too, I suppose, why we started it, but I would say kind of, um, really it was just like community. It's just people that were all like roughly in the same general area of life, you know, from a business standpoint, um, and kind of helping each other get better. I think it comes out of a little bit of like abundance mindset where dude, we're probably not going to compete on that many deals. Like it's okay. You know, like maybe we will, but it's going to be okay. You know? Um, and so I think it comes out a lot of that. It comes out of a desire to like share and, and help people and learn. And, um, and so Jay and I, we were at like a conference or we were at a story brand event, I think two and a half. Well, longer than that. Yeah. Two and a half years ago. Um, kind of like, I guess maybe one of the first things that was in person, at least for me coming out of COVID. So 21, like late 21, I guess. Um, and Jay and I were like with a cut, we stayed all in an Airbnb with a couple other guys and went to this event and, um, and I, we were stayed up with late one night, one night and we we're like, why don't we just do it? Like, cause I think we we're kind of like waiting for the story brand kind of crew to like, go, Hey, can we have like a thing where we all are like sharing what's going on and like helping each other get better? And like, you know, and we're all in the trenches kind of deal. And we were kind of going, well, maybe we should just do it because I'm not sure it's going to happen with that's just obvious. That's just not what they're doing. And that's okay. Like they're doing a lot of other things, but, um, and so we just said, Hey, let's try it. And so Jay, his team is all in person, or at least at the time was in St. Augustine, Florida. And, um, it, for those of you that followed different States that were easier to do gathering places throughout the last couple of years, that is one of them. So we said, Hey, let's try it in Florida. And we kind of just said, hey, whoever wants to come, great. If we get 10 people, awesome. If we get 100 people, awesome. And and I, there was 100 people at the first one. And it was like, wait, there's people actually wanted this. Like, okay, like, I guess now we should do it again. And so we did it again. This this year was our second in-person year. And again, it was like community. It was sharing what's going on. It was, you know, I think with the most marketing agencies have some remote thing and most agencies have a founder that can be considered a little bit lonely potentially based on maybe where they're at leadership wise. And most agencies are kind of in that, like, you know, I don't know, maybe just cresting a million to like 5 million. And so they don't have a huge leadership team usually, and maybe they don't have one at all. And so it is a little bit of a lonely kind of uh, stroll down business lane. And so a little bit of what of it was that it was like, Hey, how can we, show up and be around and develop a little bit of a community for people. There's lots of other ones like 
I mean, we, we, we talked about one before we jumped on, there's several, there's several of those. I, I would just say oftentimes in the business in general and business communities, it's pretty competitive and it's very like, look at me, I've developed this, I've done this, here's my resume, look at this. And that's just not who I am. I don't really care. I can talk to you about all the things I've accomplished and there's a cool, cool things on the list and crappy things on the list, but like, I don't really care. Like, sure like it's fun but i i don't i really hope that you and i get to be have like a friendship and it shouldn't matter that i spent every season or every week in the seahawks locker room doing the super bowl runs that they had in 2013 2014 like that shouldn't matter like it doesn't matter anymore that was 10 years ago like it doesn't make any difference but um i think so many people get a little bit confused by that and feel like they need to kind of show up with that where jay and i have a little bit of the same kind of i guess mindset around it where it's like we're just showing up and bringing our best that we can and, and helping people. And, and then at the same time we get helped too. Like I would say we feel like we get more out of the event probably than most, most people do, which is fun. Um, uh, That's what I was going to ask you was like, what, like, how is this, how has this community or like, how has this event like impacted you personally? Or like, what have you, how have you grown as a result? Yeah. it's a good question. Um, I would say like, some of the challenges that I have, like, I'll just say I have calluses from, from past, you know, business endeavors have been like really directly confronted because there's some people that are operating like maybe a little bit differently around, maybe it's like faith in your, in your business, or maybe it's like uh team and team dynamics or, or uh, diversity or, you know, like whatever that like kind of thing might be for different people. I think for me, like it helped kind of challenge some of those mindsets that I'd have, which was really like, really, like really good for me. Um, I'd say the other piece of it too is, is like when you run into a challenge, whether it's a people challenge, a client challenge, a legal challenge, whatever you kind of, you've got like, I mean, there's 190 people in our Slack community at this point. I mean, I can go there. I can direct message people. I can bring, you know, grab five people together and ask them this question. Like, so it it's um i would say just like a i don't know makes me feel like i got people in my camp you know feel pretty supported in the midst of what can feel a little bit lonely and crazy and i think that that's pretty like most people that i talk to that are pretty successful in the business um, realm have a like have a community around them that's helping them be successful it might be individuals it might be a finance person it might be a lawyer it might be whatever might be a therapist. There's tons of different roles that could play in people's lives. But I think to think you have to do it alone is you probably won't go very far because you're doing it alone. So I feel like it's kind of more of a better together kind of concept. So I would say like, yeah, for me, it's been challenging uh, or challenging my like preconceived kind of notions on different topics and then just feeling real supported in the midst of it. So. Awesome. Yeah, no, I've definitely, um, I've heard you sort of talk about how it's been important to you to have people around you that are a little bit further down the path or a little bit longer on the journey than, than you are in this moment. And just learning from them and just kind of being able to kind of pick their brain and, and have that perspective is super valuable. Um, and I, I completely agree with that. So. Yeah, I would say like that's been a huge um, like momentum help for me over the years running an agency has been those types of people. And and more so like less of a, oh my gosh, what did, you know, what service did you offer and how much did you charge and how, what was your team size? Like all those things, like, sure, you need to know those, but you can do a lot of your own research and figure those out. 
it, it's been more along the lines of, okay, I saw when you were five years ago, you made this decision. How, what were your thought process, your inputs? Like, how did you make that decision? How were you feeling going into it that could help me digest how I'm feeling in the midst of whatever decision I need to make? And so like, it's okay to have people on, you know, I, I mean, I text regularly with agencies that people that own agencies that are way bigger than mine. And I've just developed and, and kind of developed a relationship with them over the years. And it's been really helpful because oftentimes they've gone through the same thing I'm in the midst of, you know, 10 years before or whatever it is when they're at my size. And, um, and that's been really helpful. So I'd encourage people to like kind of have those people that, you know, you can add value and encourage them and, and, and be thankful for them and all that kind of stuff. But they also then provide a lot of value to you just like, you know, direction or nudging you in the right directions too. So that's been really helpful for me. Yeah, I would say like, you know, obviously the constant efficiencies, all that stuff's great and it's really tangible, but I think probably the things that have been the most impactful for me have been people that have like pushed me on my vision and pushed me on though, like that's not clear enough. Like, what do you want to do? Um, and I think like so much of what I see in agencies and the agency space is a tactician that got too busy and started hiring people. And I know I'm dumbing it down, but like a developer, a designer, a copywriter, a strategist, an account manager, a project manager, whatever in the marketing space that like had a client, then they had another client and then they had five clients. Now they need to hire another person and, and like it just repeat, repeat, repeat. And that's how they've grown. And so there usually isn't too much vision of like, well, where do you want to go? What are you trying to build? Do you have goals? Do you have like a, you know, do you want to sell it someday? Do you want to pass it to your kids? Do you want to have an employee buy it? Like what's like your, your vision down the line? Um, because that is the filter that helps you make decisions. Like I have the amount of people that have asked me, Hey, who should I hire first or who should I hire next? Or, and I'm like, I don't know. What are you trying to do? Are oh, you trying to sell it? Oh, great. So you should probably hire this, this, and this, because if you want to walk away from it and not have a, you know, like have to work at whoever's buying you, then you need to have someone that's running the agency. And so that makes sense to maybe spend for the more senior person or whatever, but Oh, you want to run it forever and you're a great operator and you don't like to sell. Okay, cool. Then maybe you should hire a salesperson. You like, it's a very contextual answer based on like what you're good at and what you want to do. Um, so I think for people like really spending the time and it's, it's a wrestle, I think, at least it was for me to like, go, what's my vision? What do I want to actually build? And is it perfect? No, because it never rolls out exactly how you expect it to, right? Like there's lots of ebbs and flows and zigzags. But I think I do have like a due north or whatever you want to call it, like a place I'm I'm heading in that's pretty darn clear. Like, and there's a reason it's clear. And um, and it's there's been some areas that I've totally crushed it in. It's been awesome. And there's been other areas that I'm like, huh, not sure how that's gonna happen. Um, but I think those types of people in my life over the last kind of five to seven years 
that have pushed me on it um, have been really helpful. So I'd, I'd encourage people to really hyper focus on like, what's your vision? Why are you doing this? Why do you wake up every day? Like, what's the point? Um, I think it'll be more helpful than just, oh, I'm trying to accomplish the next project. And, you know, you're on a hamster wheel if you don't have some sort of a vision. So <laughs> totally, totally. I love that. Well, um, I guess just in closing, like where, where's the best place for people to find you? Like where, where, like LinkedIn or your website or where, like where, where, where if people want to reach out? Yeah. Like where, where do you want to direct people? I probably spend the most time on LinkedIn as a social platform to so search my name, first and last name. Um, and then our agency website is called, uh, is called loan for creative. So L O N E F I R creative.com. Um, so check us out there. I have a website. Um, it's my first and last name.com. That's my kind of personal coaching, speaking, all sorts of website or um, kind of content and stuff on it. So feel free to check that out too. So those are probably the three places. Um, so yeah, carrier pigeon. I don't know. Like there's probably other ways too, but those are the, those are the best spots. Fun conversation. This is fun. I love that it was a little bit organic and lots of, we touched on lots of different things, but I hope that people have gotten something out of it or, or something. Yeah, no, no, it was perfect. And thank you for just um, being here. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Super fun.